0: Where
1: I IG Game Scoop. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Games Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Vincent Genito, Brandon Tyrell, Hello. and making his first Scoop appearance, Jonathan Dornbush. show.
2: Oops.
1: If you don't know him, he's one of our news writers who works for Andrew Goldfarb. He's yes. an all around cool dude. <laughs> try. <laughs> Thanks for coming by the show. Thank you for we having me. we got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about Deus Ex. Uh, it's a subject I know Vince cares about, at least. Yes. Uh, yes. We're going to talk about, apparently, uh, BioWare has a new game coming out mm-hmm. in the not-too-distant future. But first, we've got an email from one of our listeners, Joe W. He emailed us at the email address. Hey, w. At IGN.com, just like you, can. And he says, I'm curious how much AAA games should really cost. Allow me to explain. I walk into a GameStop, and I want to buy Mass Effect Andromeda it's 60 bucks. Assuming GameStop is making money on every game sold, how much are they paying EA per unit and how much are they making in profit? Now, I open up, my or- I open up Origin on my PC. I want to buy Mass Effect Andrama. It's 60 bucks. Why? If I'm buying right from the publisher, why am I paying the same amount that I would pay to a third party? Or I go to Amazon. I want to buy Mass Effect Andromeda. I have Amazon Prime, so it's $48. Assuming Amazon still wants to make a profit on each unit sold, how much are they paying EA per unit and how much are they making in profit? (laughs) It seems to me that AAA games are $60 because they just are. There just seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. Whether you're buying from a distributor or right from the publisher, it's the same price. It doesn't make sense to me.
0: So the place this question has to go to is the publisher. That's where the money is in this, in, in this industry. Like this, this whole triangle of like the retailer and the developer and the publisher. And everyone's like, where does all the money go? Who has it? The publisher has it. Like that's the answer. Like I remember I used to work at GameStop uh, back when they were electronics boutique. And I think it was Diablo 2 was the moment where I realized this, where, I, where my manager clued me into what was going on that – if someone bought a copy of Diablo 2, which was forty nine ninety nine at the time, which yeah. was the standard price for games then, um, if they bought a copy of Diablo 2 New with an American Express, the uh, that little extra merchant's fee tagged on by American Express actually made our total uh, financial outlook on that purchase a loss. We were actually losing money on the sale of that new game. And, on game, and if it wasn't by Amex, then we were probably making two dollars per, per unit, which is why of course uh GameStop focuses so much on
1: pre owned so
3: the, the stuff. Profit margins for brick and mortar are like well, but so, horrible. Hold, razor
1: fish. Well, yeah, I, I understand it differently. I understand on a sixty dollar game bought at a retailer, about half goes to the publisher and about twenty five percent goes to the retailer. That's how I understand it. Maybe it's changed since
0: Yeah, it's possible. I mean I haven't been in I haven't been in games retail in ten years now.
1: So it's possible it's changed. Yeah. Well it uh, and it's, the $60 price has been the standard for about 10 years now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I exited since right since around the start the, of the 360. Yeah, yeah three I exited right after the 360. So. Launch. Well, and speaking to the yeah.
2: question, it was talking about the difference between online and in store. While stores still, obviously, digital sales are rising. We've seen that as mm. year over year. Mm-hmm. But stores still make up in store purchases, still make up a huge.
1: Uh, oh sure, yeah. Walmart, a huge amount
2: of it and yeah. so it wouldn't make sense for a direct publisher or a marketplace like the Sony marketplace to sell at a huge loss compared to that because if they're selling their game for 40 obviously players are going to go there instead of the store they don't want to anger those oh, stores okay. it's just, so you,
3: it's a uh, relationship th- yeah. th- I,
2: I think at least part of that is still a relationship play in terms of why they're still 60 versus 60 online yeah. versus in store.
1: so yesterday EA released their financials mm-hmm. uh, yes. I don't know yeah. what quarter it was but the recent financials for the holiday Q3. season three, Q3. Uh, and I think they Said that 60% of their revenues came from digital. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a little more than half.
2: Yeah. Is it's coming definitely from rising. digital,
1: but still 40% of their business is at retail. So you're saying they are not going to charge less on origin because that, that relationship with retail is still too valuable to
2: it, like, it's a I think it's an important important relationship play to maintain for sure. At least sense. for the time being. It's
1: a little less than half their business. Yeah. Right. I mean, there is also <clears throat> businesses that are going to charge the absolute Maximum that they can, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. no matter what their product is, right? And yeah. I think they just sort of also assume that people are used to paying sixty dollars for a new game, so that's what they charge. Yeah.
0: Unless you're Amazon and you're trying to make sure that people well, come to your site and to buy from you, no yeah. matter what. And that's what that's what the price on Amazon is all about. It's not, you know, when when the uh, when our our reader our viewer is saying, you know, that Amazon you assume wants to make a profit on it. They they don't yeah, care I at mean, all. They don't need to make a profit on video games. They re- they'd be very happy a company like that that has so much reach and is. So so many different markets where the price like so for instance if you sell I don't know does Amazon sell clothes yes they do okay so 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 <laughs> yeah. I have oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no idea Um but anything they sell everything that's what I mm-hmm. kind of assume right but like let's take take something like clothes or something like stereo equipment the markup on those is like 300% sure. so it's like if they're selling stereo equipment at a 300% yeah. markup it's out they can, they, yeah totally they can totally afford to take a hit on games just to make sure someone buys from them instead of their competitors yeah. and then that person buys theoretically Conversions, yeah,
3: Conver- conversion rates, oh, that, yeah. And,
2: you're, it's, and it's, you're seeing game sales happen more and more uh, sooner after the game comes out. You're mm-hmm. seeing games go down to thirty dollars, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, all the time, much faster than it used to.
1: Yeah. Plus, with a situation like on Amazon, uh, that Amazon Prime discount is something that you, the consumer, is already paying for. Yes. Sure. Like a yeah. PlayStation Plus game or Xbox yeah. games yeah. with gold, like it's recouped uh, somewhat through s- the you've subsidized the whole system with your Amazon Prime yeah. subscription, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I mean, Amazon's got more money than they sort of know what. As an entity, it knows what to do with. (laughs) Uh, So it's very reminiscent of like Microsoft selling 360s at a loss, you know, for the first couple years of that that console just to get market share. If Amazon can sort of tilt the scales and make, you know, anybody with an online connection go to Amazon versus driving to Walmart, right? Like that's more business that they get. Like you said, and then converting. So it makes sense.
1: Well, we were saying that sixty dollar. Retail, you know, price on on launch day, is almost like a median price now. When you consider that how quickly games are discounted now, yeah. as you say, yeah. but then also, well, yeah, uh, like you know. Special editions of games are $80, yeah. $100, plus all of the like the season pass, yeah. uh, all of the, the DLC. All that bumps up the cost really above $60. Oh, yeah. So I really think of today's $60 as like the medium price of video games.
2: Yeah, almost. well, and especially when you still have digital games going for around 20 usually, there There is a variation in
1: price. You mean point. like like yeah. indie, like smaller yeah, stuff? Yeah, for yeah,
2: for smaller stuff as well. But yeah, yeah, that $60 price isn't really the whole picture anymore. Mm. Yeah,
0: and especially now, as we see different games of all different sizes taking that price tag, and- it bears like the question from the consumer very often. You know what is what is sixty dollars worth of value? But like I don't think there's a hard and fast yeah. answer to that, which is why no one can really figure it out. Like that's why you still see that's why on you you can go you know to a store, you can buy two games that are sixty dollars. One of them could be, and I'm not saying this is a matter of value to me, but one could be eight hours. And another could be two hundred hours, and they they occupy that same yeah. kind of space. Is that right? Is that wrong? I don't know, but like to some people, that's a problem.
1: Well, used to, way back in the day when games were on cartridges, there was no like standardized oh. format. You'd go yeah. and look. You'd go to like KB Toys and look at the Nintendo games, and they were like all different prices, yeah. were, like thirty four dollars, fifty four dollars, and then all memory
0: just... was so expensive exactly. back yeah. then. Yeah. So like if you were yeah. buying a larger game that had more on the cart, I mean, I remember, you know, uh, I think it was Phantasy Star Two yeah. for the Genesis was one of the first. 6 meg carts yep. instead of a 4 meg one that mm-hmm.
1: was like $80. Yeah. Those games you know? beyond oasis and yeah. uh, shining force uh-huh. 2 I think was a really in the really expensive card. yeah. Just like mm-hmm. there was no standardization of prices back yeah. then. Yeah. Let great. me ask you guys this. Yeah. Uh with the Nintendo Switch coming out. Uh we I mean we know, I I'm getting a Switch I'm excited for it but we know it's just not as powerful as an Xbox 1 or PlayStation 4. So what do you guys think about again the games are are $60, same as a same as a PlayStation 4 game, same as an Xbox One game.
3: I mean, it, it brings it back to Vince's point, right? Like, where do you put value? Do you put value in the visuals? Do you put value in how much content comes there? I mean, it's a big reason we don't really put much weight on the price of a game when it factors into reviews, right? Or how long it is. It stands on its own merits. And so what you want from a game is different from what I want from a game. So if I think one, two Switch is worth $60 and you don't, like, you know, that's a decision that we make amongst ourselves. So I don't fault Nintendo for selling at the standardized price now, even though, I mean, we're coming into this generation knowing that, I'm sorry, we're coming into this console knowing that it's not sort of generation standard as far as... Power goes. Yeah. I'm I'm already pre-ordered a Switch. I'm looking forward to Zelda. I'm looking forward to One Two Switch with my friends in the living room. And uh, you know, to me, those are both worth sixty dollars. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I mean, I think <laughs> they are exploring some variable pricing. I believe it might have changed since uh, they announced it and pre-orders went on sale. But One Two Switch was only fifty bucks at that time. Oh yeah. Uh, and but Zelda a like bargain sixty. Well, it's just I think they're exploring. Whereas I think something like Snipperclips is even cheaper. So I think they're looking. That game looks really fun. That looks awesome, yeah. yeah I'm excited for it. But so it, they're clearly looking to see what the marketplace is willing to spend on something that's so different.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. And that's like what, I, it's always going to come down to the free market, right? Like I hate saying that, but it's going to be, you know, we'll know what the price of a game's, what, it, what the average price of a game is supposed to be based on whether or not the people go and pick it up. And something tells me that $50 for something like 1-2 Switch you know, maybe you get maybe you get the casual kind of like you know, mom I mean, dad wants something cool and distracting for their family when people come over. Fine, like those people might spend fifty dollars on that, not knowing what it is or not caring. Sure, but I don't think you're going to convince millions and millions of people that that's the killer app that you need to spend fifty dollars. No, on. but there's a difference between the killer app and just like
3: standardized pricing for something that you know they are releasing. Like, what was We Sports priced at when it first came out? That's Did a great was question. Packed okay. So, yeah, yeah. So it's packed yeah. in. So you didn't but even have we to play, pay for it,
2: which came with the, uh, I believe it was, yeah, we play with the controller. came. Mm-hmm. I think that was 50. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so similar, similar, I mean, yeah.
3: not inflated for, you know, time, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you don't really have to necessarily convince people to buy your system based on like one, two switch or, or a piece of software. I think, um, you know, pricing should, shouldn't be indicative of that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just think that it's because of, especially with mobile gaming becoming mm-hmm. such a big deal and the race to the bottom and all that. Like we always talk about on yeah. the show, um, you know, whether we like it or not, I think that the there's no changing the the growing perspective that number of hours and price needs to be somehow some
3: correlation there some correlation yeah. there and
0: i don't personally believe that i think that's actually a harmful assertion to make yeah. but i feel like the the seed has been planted and there's no going back now and i think eventually developers are going to be in a position where if their game is short or doesn't have tons of modes and maps and stuff they're almost not going to have a choice if they want to compete but to lower their prices but, but i don't want to see that happen look
3: at it from the opposite perspective right like there's in line with that there's almost this perception of price dictates quality so if i think my game you know, is deserving of a $40 price tag, and I think it'd be doing a service to my consumers to sell it at $40. What's the perception then about how it stacks up to a game that is $60? That happened with ReCore,
1: yeah, right? It's yeah. like, yeah, they, uh, they, they, Priced it a little bit more modestly, and people were like, "Oh, it's shovelware." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, the mid range, and it yeah. turned out to be kind of an average game, anyway. But, but then you see
2: still, something. Ra- that was, was oh my god, it's all true. Saying, <laughs> perception was there
1: way before the game was released. Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: and that happened with Ratchet and Clank. That was at a, I think that was at forty dollars when it released, and that was the perception was, oh no, this is going to be sort of a budget Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, the reboaring, reboarding. couldn't be anything. And it was one of my favorite games yeah. of that yeah. year. And yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people genuinely love that game. It's yeah, it's.
3: Totally. Yeah. So we're at, at a, we're at a price now where, or, sorry, we're at a point now sure. where price is basically another marketing tool, right? Yeah. Like what the price of your game says about your game is as important as the marketing that you push out. Um, you know, cause I, they could have dropped as much marketing as they want to about record, but like that price point is what NeoGAF grabbed onto and what Reddit grabbed onto. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then it like no man's sky, like it just sort of proliferates throughout the community.
1: Yeah, that's true. All right, moving on. Uh, we got some, uh, some unfortunate news this week about the future of the Deus Ex oh, franchise, oh. or even if there uh, will be a future. For Don't say that. <laughs> no, I know. So like last year, <laughs> what, last August, we got Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Yes. Uh, you reviewed it. You liked it very much. Yes, it I did. played it. I liked it very much. Did, we, uh, did everyone play it here? No, I dabbled
3: in it, but I was reviewing
2: something. Yeah, pl- I played a little bit of it, but well, enjoyed what
1: I did. Yeah, I finished the game, uh, and I talked about this on the show before. I was enjoying that game, and then I came to the first... Boss fight, and then I beat the first boss, and I was like, Oh, that was the end of act one. But then, nope, the credits rolled, <laughs> so it's like a cool game that felt unfinished. Mm. Uh, and now we get word this week that apparently the developer IDOS is working on the next Tomb Raider game, uh, instead of the next Deus Ex, and they also have this deal with Square Enix to work on the Marvel games. Uh, and the man or the Deus Ex series is being put on hiatus,
0: which is really sad because, yeah. um you know, so about mankind divided and and the story, I just want to be clear, and I think you could probably agree with this too, is that it seemed abrupt the way it ended, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Uh, it didn't seem abrupt because the game had been so short. You know, in terms of the time amount of time, to- the play time, the amount of time you spent playing the game and the amount of, you know, what kind of real estate there is there to play around in was totally comparable to Human Revolution. The difference was, the difference was, is that in terms of the story, the story was much more zoomed in to one event. You know, I don't want to, you know, spoil anyone, but like basically what happens at the beginning of the game is what you focus in on the whole time. And so, and there's a specific reason for that uh, because it felt like the end of chapter one because Eidos Montreal had, have... When I went there to preview *Mankind Divided*, the head of the studio told me that they had Deus Ex games planned out to 2025.
1: Mm. So, what happened to all those plans? So,
0: <laughs> it's yeah, that, all that's, just being shelved. That's—I mean, obviously, it has to do with the fact that Deus Ex didn't perform yeah. to their—yeah, to their, like we don't have exact game.
1: sales numbers, but uh, the week or the month that it was out, it was number three on MPD. So, it actually—it yeah. must have done fairly well at when, launch. Yeah. You know. What was it? Was it August? I think it was August or or September. It was later late last summer. Yeah, around there. Yeah, month, yep. yeah. So I mean, I mean, what it's is before the October crush of games? Yeah. Does
3: that say more about the month
0: though, or the quality of the game?
1: I don't know. I also Ooh,
0: what, I mean, yeah.
1: I, I, it wasn't like it didn't have a lot of competition around that time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I think the the thing is, is that games. There's also games similar to it that do things in a way that's a little bit more dishonored. Yeah, sure. Xana is a great example of a game that does the similar kinds of things where it's melding stealth and action and kind of RPG style choice. In this really fluid kind of organic way, like Dishonored is way more like I feel like a player's game. Mm. It's a it's a go and do and learn by by doing. And I feel like Deus Ex is like you have to have methodical understanding of your environment and of the gameplay systems. And if you don't, then it can feel really bad. Like yeah. if you play Deus Ex as a shooter, I mean, I would say Mankind Divided feels better than Human Revolution did, but it's still for the most part, if you're comparing the two. By how things feel when things go wrong, <laughs> it feels a lot more fun to play Dishonored when things go wrong than when DSX. When well, then when things go wrong in Deus Ex. and the thing is that with modern stealth games, especially in like the perspective that they play in, things always inevitably go wrong. Like you don't have a top-down perspective to see what's happening around yeah. you. So I think like that chaos breaks out. Then Deus Ex feels like a pseudo passable decent shooter, and Dishonored two, you feel like you're a badass. Like you know, you know human-slaying god, yeah. basically. And people like that experience more. So I, I just feel like it's an easier... Desano 2 is an easier sell and kind of has more momentum. Uh I don't know.
1: Yeah, was, but Deus Ex has a, a longer history... You know, go back and going back to what around 2000? <clears throat> the first day of sex, uh, yeah, 99 or late 2000. Ni- when the 90s, first yeah. one comes out, yeah,
0: I mean, but that's I mean, that's that's old man games, Damon. You know that that's us, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's us. That's us
1: for the, no, no, I like I know. I know I give uh Mankind Divided a hard time for feeling unfinished, but I totally had fun with that game. But when I compare it to something like Uncharted 4, yeah, that feels like this huge, big, complete adventure with a mm-hmm. beginning, a middle, and an end, even an epilogue tacked on, uh. When I compare it to something like that, you know, I just felt like I was in the middle of Mankind Divided and it just ended. So that wouldn't bother me as much if I knew I was going to continue that story in a year or two. But now it's yeah. like, Oop,
2: and I think, not. It, I think it means it's on hold uh, because they really only officially were talking about the Avengers and other Marvel projects they have going yeah. on. So I'm sure at some point they will look into returning to Deus Ex. I know they haven't really officially been talking about the next Tomb Raider game yet either. Um, so it depends yeah. where they're going to end up putting their resources. Um, yeah, it d- but totally
3: makes sense. Like yeah. with Infinity War coming up, like <clears throat> you definitely want to have your resources making a game that they know is going to sell just on the name alone. Right. Rather than, like you said, as much as you'd love to see it or, or we'd love to see it, like you have a small window to capitalize on a new Avengers movie coming out. So like sure. it makes sense to put things on hold and prioritize
0: it's also a marketing play, too. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, look, I know... I, I actually... I'm one of the few people, I think, who actually likes the character of Adam Jensen. But I, I feel like... it's cool. Yeah, I think I, I like him, and I kind of like his understated, gruff, like, almost removed and not actually that human or demonstrably emotional, like, demeanor. I, I kind of like that about him. I think it's interesting and not the same as every other uh, kind of wisecracking hero. Mm. But the Also wise, very cra- long arms. Also very long arms. Yeah. Good, wi- I mean, good wingspan. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> but the wisecracking hero is... Kind of what sells, like for, just from a marketing standpoint. You you let someone watch thirty seconds of you know Nathan Drake talking versus yeah, uh, Adam yeah. Jensen, and there's one game you know you wanna you wanna play, one guy you wanna you wanna spend lots of hours with. So yeah. I think that has a, a role in it too. It's just hard to market. I think a character like Adam Jensen to a modern audience. Yeah, I and think. the
2: Avengers has six wise cracking heroes. Exactly, so that's <laughs> yeah. easier to market. One of whom is always angry. Yes, so, yeah, you know. that's. A...
3: Um, I mean, yeah, it totally goes back to. Do you remember the big? Uh, God, what was it? Twenty fourteen? Like. Some like eight out of ten of the year's big AAA titles had a white guy walking towards the camera with a yeah. buzzed head. Oh, the that the Bioshock. Yeah. 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 Year. And oh, no. yeah, Bioshock, and there was a Mass Effect. Oh, that was, Mass Effect 3 was in 2012.
2: 2012.
1: Maybe 13. I have no idea when Years anything happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: uh, so games came out then, and a lot of the box arts had the same <clears throat> the same guy on it. And it totally makes sense. Like, you see that, and you see something that it's not clearly as defined and clearly as tested as that. And it's hard to make that sell, right? Like, you, I know what I'm getting when I see the Battlefield soldier walk towards me, you know? Like, I'm going to get to be that guy. But I see Adam Jensen right there, and I, you know... Not I assume we're going to shoot people, but I'm not 100%. <laughs> well, not
0: 100%. You don't have to shoot people. It's true. the beauty of DX. Also, he looks like a sad boy and people people just don't give sad boys a chance.
3: It's just like I feel like we're going to have to talk about what's bothering him.
2: <laughs> and
3: like
1: I don't Probably know.
2: Probably all the cybernetics just No one has time for that, <laughs> <I would guess. laughs>
1: All right, moving on. Uh, we mentioned uh, EA's financial report, which came out this week. Yep. And uh, during that call, EA uh, <laughs> talked about uh, a new IP intellectual property. Coming oh, from, thank you, David. Coming from BioWare before March of 2018. Yes. So actually not that far off. So awesome. Uh, and they, dis- they, de- they described this new game as a clean sheet design with new concepts, new gameplay mechanics, and new stories set in a unique new universe. I'm waiting for the last part. This game has the potential to fundamentally disrupt the way people think about an action title. Whoa. Uh, Bringing friends together to play in exhilarating new ways. Whoa. Uh, We're very excited about the future of this new franchise and its ability to attract a large global audience.
0: Marketing. (laughs) And
1: then, Bioware chimed in. This is actually Bioware's uh, blog writing in here to say, in 2012, we Uh began crafting a new universe full of new characters, stories, and games. Five years. I remember Mission is simple. Draw upon 20-plus <laughs> years of development knowledge and lessons to create something fun and new for you to enjoy with your friends. Is that all? Simple. There's nothing quite as exciting oh, as building not. a new IP <laughs> from scratch, and it will be even more thrilling for us to share more with you in the future. Mm. What do we make mm. of all that? <laughs> I, I, the, they sure are making a video game yeah, in 2017. Wow. That's,
0: yeah,
3: wow. That's a game for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, right off the bat, March, you know, coming out February, March, totally not surprising for new IP right like you're yeah. not going to put that up against the fall the other i think there was a line in there that said um something along the lines of like cross genre or something like that yeah re- genre melding re- was in redefining the to speak. and yeah. the very first thing that comes to mind when i think of that is one destiny and two overwatch mm-hmm. yep um, i agree
1: with that but do you think when you think of destiny and overwatch do you think bioware that's the thing, right?
3: Like it's not an RPG. And when I think Bioware, I think RPG. So I don't know, like I'm totally off script right now. Like I have no I idea think of where a we are. Heavy
2: story focus and yeah, character yeah, exactly. building yeah. and to well, make you, something that massive.
3: You could argue that like you could argue that Activision thinks Destiny is very sure. heavy story focused sure. narrative, right? None and, of it happens inside the game. No. Well, <laughs> yeah. and I mean
2: same with Overwatch. There's a huge lore and a world to all of that, but right. it's not what you're playing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. if I if you want comic books, like that's definitely the, the universe for you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's
0: it's it's a lot of buzzwords in there. There's a lot of bravado in that yeah.
2: announcement. And, yeah.
0: uh, I mean, I mean, they need they need something, right? They need, they need to have like. <laughs> I feel like if if you strip out all the things that make Bioware games worthwhile and make them Bioware games, mm. and you say you're just you're done with that, you're doing something else completely different. Yeah. Why? You're, you're gonna have to speak with big words and you know lots of flashing lights to get people to pay attention because on you know when you strip all of that out. I'm just like, why would I, play, as a longtime Bioware fan, I'm like, why mm. would I play this and not, I don't know, a game from one of the other very many developers that I know can do a game like yeah. this? I mean, very it's, well, already.
3: it sounds like we're being harsh, but like yeah. Bioware, I mean, you have my undivided attention. No matter when you release a new IP, I will definitely want to see what you're doing. Of course, yeah. just based on their pedigree, but like, like you said, I mean it's not broken, right? Like I think Bioware, they do one thing incredibly well and to sort of step out of the mold from that, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm intrigued, but I'm also a little worried.
2: Well, right? but they've clearly also been taking the time. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, since years. 2012, Yeah, yeah. they, uh, they clearly weren't trying to rush this out the door to just sure. get a new IP going. Yeah. So they've probably been working on it to make sure it was right before they revealed this to Fine. the world. Yeah. yeah.
0: And Knights and of the New Republic. <laughs> <laughs> and they've been sliding in this direction little by little for like a long time now, yeah. right? You know, um, with Mass Effect 2, they made a strong, strong move more towards it being an action mm-hmm. game and a shooter rather than an RPG. With Dragon Age 2, they tried to make that move and got crucified for it. You press
3: uh, a button and something awesome happens. Right, Was right. the quote that like, <laughs> we'll never die. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like yeah. and yeah, so they're <laughs> they, from
1: tr- Inc or Dragon Age Two? That was Dragon Age two, no. yeah. Yep. Okay. What was yeah. Dra-
2: They've
0: they've been making this move little by little, and those, those are like two examples that didn't, you know, well Mass Effect 2 worked out really well, Dragon Age 2 not so much, and then you know, I don't know, they added kind of like multi, an interesting, a fairly interesting multiplayer mode to Mass Effect 3 you, you can see the signs they want to move on from RPG, I mean yeah. well, the, the doctors
1: yeah. moved on, they left yeah, they're gone, you know, they're so, really gone, yeah. so
0: the, that pedigree, I don't want to say they have no other talent there, but you know, I think oh, they want to yeah. expand into other markets that are
1: bigger. Does anyone remember Shadow Realms? I mean, yes. A little bit. You know. This was BioWare's uh, asymmetrical multiplayer game that they announced no, a I couple of years ago, yeah. but then canceled in early 2015. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't remember mm-hmm. that. Though. Oh, okay. I don't know if some, maybe some part of that has been reworked into whatever this new Possible. thing is. It would make yeah. sense. Yeah. But yeah. we knew, you know yeah, that was at least uh, a, a multiplayer game that with, they had yeah. announced bef- you know, before. Well, and when when
2: especially w- with the move from Mass Effect 3 into a multiplayer space, yeah. it certainly seems like. When
1: was this announced? 2014 okay right it would uh, gamescom and uh, it Comic-Con. would make
3: sense like they put 2 years in development of whatever that tech is going to be and then that. realize that's not going to work out and so they've technically been working on it since 2012 yep so it could be an in- man i would really i don't know how i would feel if the next bioware game is online only multiplayer only well, how would you feel if it were free to play um i'd i'd feel fine that's fine yeah, yeah. i mean i've played a million great free
1: to play games a million. A million. <laughs> Literally <laughs> one million. So. No, as long as there's... Yeah, a a my time, big thing is like I multiplayer... Do. I really do.
0: The multiplayer can mean a lot of things though. You know, like as yeah. long as there is... I would say as long as there is a PvE experience of some kind to have, then there's at least a chance that there's a world and kind of like an experience to go on, a quest to go on, uh, areas to explore. Like multiplayer doesn't have to mean like, hey, you're in an arena shooting at each other. Yeah, It could mean other things, and I hope it means other things because... I, if I want to just go into an arena and shoot people there, I have so many choices that I do not need BioWare for. Yeah. Um, I And Aww. on the flip side, I have so few choices in terms of developers doing what BioWare does yeah. right now. And I just don't want to lose that. So
1: call me bitter. <laughs> not going to call you that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody's everybody's trying to make a game as service. Uh, they don't want to just make a the model a sixty dollars game that you buy once, play for forty hours, and then put away. They want you to you know, they want Destiny, Overwatch, a game that you'll just keep playing, and they can Lots keep them, yeah. you know keep you as a customer all year long. And uh, this is EA; it's got to be uh, one of EA and Bioware's plays to do that. I imagine. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners, thank you. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Isaac did. Isaac says hi, guys. Hey, Isaac. I was wondering if any major fighting game lets you create a fighter. Something along the lines of a WWE game. If not, why and would this be a good feature? Um, Vince. Uh, okay, so there have been
0: there have been several fighting games that allow you to either create or customize a character for use. So uh, even major ones. I'm trying to think. One of the Soul Calibers, I want to say four. four. Yep. Oh, right, yeah. I'm yeah. um, surprised you knew that. That's... The Why? Because it's random. Right, you know what?
1: <laughs> I, I don't think of you as a Good fighting game guy. I was,
0: I was really into Soul Calibur. And I, okay. And that's, the, that's, the, that's what I was going to say. It's not so much that, I'm like, oh, you don't, you wouldn't play a fighting game. It's more like Soul Calibur 4 of all the random. No, stuff. I got into Soul Calibur at 2 and then stopped at 5. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Soul, yeah, Soul Calibur 4 had that. Um, there was a, a kind of more obscure fighter on the PS1 called Tobol Number 2.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Tobol had 1.
1: had a, make your... F- Fighter Maker mode?
0: You can get, yeah, you have a Fighter Maker mode. Then there's like actual like Fighter Maker, which was also for the PS1. <laughs> Literally yeah. called Fighter yeah. Maker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's From,
1: so good. So <laughs> like, I, yeah, what do we I call have, it? Well, what no, is it? I have a story fighter about that yeah. game. Oh, do you? I think it's, yeah, it was, all, it was all about designing your own fighters and designing their moves and everything. And I bought the game and I was so excited, but it was only after I got home that I realized that every single one of the fighters you created, took up an entire memory card. Yeah. Wow. So it's like, it just wasn't, uh, you know, it just didn't make any sense. It was but, the same
0: thing with RPG Maker. It was, it was yeah. like that. It just took up an entire like, well, mem- a memory card. Well, I'm, gonna I'm not going to keep like 15
1: memory cards <laughs> yeah,
0: Exactly. my fighters. On it's
3: the most it. expensive game I've ever bought. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But I mean, as, as far as like why it's not Done. I mean, yeah, it's balanced. I mean, it's all all balanced. I mean, it it would be very difficult to balance something like that. But
1: imagine a Street Fighter game could have, uh, you know. On a multiplayer mode that was just for created fighters, right, and it doesn't sure. need to be used in tournaments or anything, right? But when you think well, about it, and
0: this is what's interesting, you know, Injustice Two is already playing with this idea of all, the alutes, all these different all the, the all these different uh, uh, gear slots, mm, yeah, and then ability modifications, and we already know that that's going to be like there's a when you go play ranked, at least for now, what they're saying, and this could change, obviously, by the time the game comes out, but what they're saying now is that you just when you play ranked, that's just not yeah, there. it's just removed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just removed. I yeah. mean, For Honor is doing something very similar where
3: the armor that you get changes a, a couple sliders on each piece of gear. Like, you have faster cooldown on this or you block more damage on that. Mm-hmm. And, like, you put all these together to create your character, your fighter, um, and then you go into uh, their 4v4 mode and, like, that, all that stuff applies. But when you go into 2v2 or 1v1 duels, like, that is stripped off and it's, yeah. just, it's just the, you know, bare-bones characters in that. Um, I mean, they
0: could do something like Soul
3: Calibur did, right? Where you create your character and then give it a move set based on
0: an existing character, an existing character, yeah. right? But then at that point, it's like, am I really creating a character? Yeah, or is I mean, it just yeah. cosmetic, exactly. You know, so it's it's this weird kind of uh, in between. But like at the end of the day, like you just can't. If you want people who like love fighting games and want to play competitively to play your game, like there's no way they're gonna play a game where you know they could lose just because some other guy's been grinding and grinding and grinding and getting the best gear for their character like or yeah. that's just that's yeah or, or sets his moves to something that is just super
3: cheap right yeah like nothing but long range pokes and <laughs> <oof>. <laughs> that's a kryptonite so, huh I've helix <laughs> from soul caliber like, <laughs> right. I thought
1: there was a, a make your fighter make your own fighter game for WiiWare, but I couldn't remember mm, the name huh. nobody remembers if anyone remembers yeah. that game or if it was, was even real <laughs> <laughs> <I dream> it. <laughs> I mean, is this Super Mario Brothers two? <laughs> giving away ideas. <laughs> uh, this is Jel Snelders. Hey, Jel Snelders. Hey, Jell Snelders, great name. Yeah, the best name. He says he's got an idea for a new PlayStation handheld. You guys yeah. ready? We're gonna oh, yeah. pitch this to you. We're on right. Shark Tank. Are here. we Shark Tanking? Yeah. Jell right. <laughs> says about a year ago I bought a PlayStation Vita. I was thinking. Good of, for you. Good for you. I was thinking of how uh, such how could such a great device. <laughs> Died. Uh, The game's library is very limited, and currently nothing is being developed for it. There you go. Not nothing, but sure. Developers had to make exclusive releases instead of porting their games to the Vita, since the device is not powerful enough. Recently, I discovered remote play, and it surprised me how well it worked. But also, that is compromised by the lack of the L2 R2 buttons. That annoying back touchpad and the useless camera overpriced the Vita unnecessarily. What if... Sony launched a handheld with the sole purpose of streaming PS4 games on it. You would, of course, need a proper internet connection for it, but you could play PS4 games in your living room while your girlfriend watches her annoying series. If Sony would release as a gadget Probably for, one, say, 150 to 200 bucks, would you be interested in a handheld that just streams your PS4 games? Sounds like
0: an Nvidia Shield
1: <laughs> for the PS4. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so,
0: no, no, yeah. Sounds like my Vita now, but with two more shoulder buttons. Yeah. Um, yeah, fewer, and and but, but not able to play all the awesome games that I play on my Vita,
1: and not able to take it on the go with you. No, I guess? yeah, that would yeah, be, uh, you'd need some sort of.
0: So you're yeah. basically buying
3: a second screen for an existing console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a um, Wii
1: U gamepad. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I would no, I would not buy
3: the
1: PlayStation <laughs> Switch. Sorry, I, sorry, I, gels. I cannot, I cannot fund this. <laughs> Is that what they say on Shark Tank? I have no idea. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I
2: just made Shark it up tank. right now. Sorry, you feel like they it. have to make a shark pun, probably. Yeah, I was, yeah. you've I think, been
0: eaten.
1: No, that's no. not. No, it's you've a, been eaten. You've yeah, been that's,
2: that's, uh... oh, also. Let me
0: just say what we're all thinking. <laughs> uh, we would, we would all watch. We would all, we would all watch our girlfriend's TV shows. I yeah. think pretty much oh, everyone here.
1: Uh, yeah. I I unapologetically and unguiltily watch The Bachelor every Monday night nice. with, so, my, with my wife. Uh, with, you uh, know, I so. watch
2: every show on the CW. I'm, the, <laughs> I'm their core demographic. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you the biggest Gilmore Girls fan? I love maybe I love ever, probably.
3: <laughs>
1: Gilmore guy. Oh, uh, Gilmore. yeah! It's a good pot. Someone's Twitter <laughs> handle is getting <been> updated. <laughs> <laughs> this is Bon Turkington getting some really good names today. Dude, names are just too good. These are not real names. names.
2: These are just <laughs> IGN staffers writing <laughs> them to us. Under this,
3: this dude was a guitarist <laughs> in a 1980s metal band.
1: <laughs> Kurt bon <Majurkin>.
3: Turkington. Yeah. <laughs> bon.
1: This is geared laughing at this guy's name. No, that, I, I love did, the, I, I, No, your name is fantastic. Yeah. We have boring. He issues. says, Greetings, Damon and Scoopers. I hope you're all having a great week. That's not a Damon re- and the Scoopers is yeah. the name yeah. of our band. Yeah. yeah. That's like not it. that's not good. Get
2: scooping. Gem and the holograms, Damon and Scoopers. <laughs> no,
1: I, I don't want to be a scooper. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a pejorative <laughs> sort of association <laughs> attached to that. Uh, bon Turkington. Says, with a new pair of consoles arriving this year, Switch and Scorpio, I've also been thinking about my favorite games and consoles from the past. I was born in 85, and I've been playing games since my grubby pink mitts could fit around an NES controller. Over the years, besides devouring all the latest offerings, I have built up a sizable collection of older consoles and games dating back to the NES era. However, for all the generations represented in my collection, I'm missing anything before that. You frequently like to help new gamers or new collectors who are looking for advice on which games or consoles to begin their journey on. Just the other week, you helped a new Nintendo fan decide where to jump into their catalog of games. But I rarely hear mention of anything before the NES era. Is it worth my time, money, and shelf space to seriously focus on collecting old Atari consoles and others from before I was born? I can see a number of problems with doing so. First of all, the games are arguably harder to enjoy, at least for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Also, the old hardware is literally falling apart with some chips, screens, and batteries failing after more than 35 years in existence. Am I better off playing Rare Replay and other collections with older games and focusing my collection on what I have been? Or can you really make an argument that the very first consoles are worth owning? I I personally, as
0: someone whose first console was the Texas Instruments TI ninety nine four A, going which is like going back back like no it's it's not worth going (laughs) back it's not worth going back I mean there's no game that exists on a ColecoVision an old Atari um, you know uh, the Intellivision the Odyssey (laughs) any of that first party system seller for the Atari (laughs) is that what you mean. (laughs) Like, none of that stuff – like, there's not a single game on any of them that didn't – that there isn't a better version of. And when I say better, I don't mean, like, modern, super fancy th- – no, I mean, like, a cleaner, sure. better-playing, yeah. better-running version of the same exact thing that you can get, either through emulation or or, yeah. uh, or, or in some collection somewhere.
1: You know, yeah. yeah. I grew up – during that time, I played all those old games. But even I – like, even when you play some of the games on the NES Classic, you're yeah. like, uh, this is, like – I like the novelty of revisiting yeah. this, yeah. but I yeah. don't really want to play much of this no. today. I, I actually yeah. had that experience. And it's going back before the NES is uh, you get diminishing returns. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think you're really, like, if, if you want to, like, be, just be a collector, sure, That's by all different. means, yeah. hunt down these yeah, old sure. consoles. But don't, I I wouldn't recommend it uh, if you actually plan on playing or, or, or wanting to play a lot of these games.
0: I will say there's one exception to all this. What's that? If you can find yourself a a a unit that's working well, definitely it's worth. I think the experience and the the, to play uh, a Vectrix. Um, Well, yeah, yeah, the vector based graphics like you can't. There is no other way to experience that, uh, but to buy that system and the the look of it is just so unique and kind of space age for the even not not just for the time even now. Like I think I was at a Pax. I think I was at PAX East maybe mm-hmm. three years ago, and I went to the retro room, yeah. uh, le- the free play room, and played around with the Vectrex. And the version of Asteroids on there, you could i couldn't pull my. I, they had to pull me away. Like it, it, just, it runs so smooth, and it looks so singular mm-hmm. and different, and clean and unique from anything else. That I think that that is those that system is a, is an old experience that's worth having that you can't have anywhere else.
1: I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Bec- yeah, Vectrex games are really cool. Yeah, but you can find those those are arcade versions of like Tempest. Sure, 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 sure. But there's there. something
0: about the vector vector-based graphics that just yeah, gives them a, a totally unique look and feel, a level of kind of depth and, like I said, a space-agey feel. I know that doesn't sound very technical, but that uh, I don't think you can get
1: anywhere else. This is Thomas Embry. Hey, Hey, Thomas. Thomas. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) says, hi, guys. Fall asleep with the wheel. I'm a young lad from Birmingham, England, and recently I remembered that I have an EA access code lying about. I redeemed the code and thus realized that there are games you can play for free, as long as you are subscribed. I wasn't aware of this, as I thought you could only play Trials. There are games for everyone, including RPGs and sports games. For $20 a year, I think this is a great deal, as some of these games on there, on their own, cost $20 or more. Do you think that developers and publishers should have these kinds of services like Activision, Blizzard, or Bethesda, or do you think they would lose too much money? So the real question is, like, should other publishers have their own sort of subscription programs where you gain access to their game libraries? I mean, yeah, sure. I, I have a feeling EA
3: is doing this. EA's access is is twofold. One, uh, when sales drop off for games uh, enough the access subscription sort of makes up for it if that game is going to draw you into subscribing to the program in addition to, uh, you know, the, the sneak peek of upcoming games as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could see Activision, like, play any Call of Duty whenever you want at any time for $10 a, year, a month, you know? I could see them doing something like that because yeah. no one's buying World at War anymore. Um, but, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It seems like one of those problems that isn't big enough to... Uh,
0: really need to
3: make a publish mandate for
1: yeah
0: um i mean personally i think that if it's the right publisher with the right library of games and the price is right it can be a good way to extract extra revenue from games that have stopped selling anyway like you know i don't know like so for i know you're just throwing out numbers like i don't know if ten dollars a month is something i would pay to play any call of duty ever but like i don't know maybe like something in that neighborhood, if you found the right number, I mean, like, what? what's the harm in offering that, right? Like, you're not cannibalizing, you know, you're not hurting the sales of Call of Duty, you know, the original Modern Warfare, I mean, like, War. you know, well, right, you're not, you're not going to hurt those game sales, you can only, that's only extra revenue on games that you already made and that have long since stopped selling, so I don't see any reason not to try to pilot a program like that. Um, well, the flip side of that is that it has to pay for itself, because you need to have yeah. the staff and the
3: infrastructure, and you need to digitize the games, and you need to make them available on the portal so i mean there's there's considerable overhead that goes into creating a program like that and would it pay off like
0: yeah the initial investment would be tough right because the older games probably weren't made initially in terms of their architecture like Mm. to be easily played digitally or you know there's but for going forward, though, right. once you develop kind of like a process, like a workflow, um, all new games going forward could be very easy to make available in that way. And so like when, say, you know, the newest Call of Duty is 10 years old or 8 years old and it's already got those hooks in it. Yeah. Sure. Why not? I
1: mean, mm-hmm. from a consumer standpoint, though, is anybody really looking for more services to subscribe to? I don't no. want to no.
2: I Yeah, I, it, I think it would depend if the marketplace wants that. And I don't know if it necessarily does, especially yeah. when you're getting free games every month from PS Plus or Xbox Live. Yeah. And now whatever the Switch uh, program will be offering with classic NES and SNES games every month. Uh, I don't necessarily know if you need that many services to just split the user base more and more
3: yeah I mean that's a great point like if I'm in the mood to play something like just something new that I don't care I have a year and a half of Xbox Live Gold and PS Plus titles that I haven't even touched yeah on a two terabyte hard drive that's plugged into my Xbox Um, but like if I have an itch to play something from a back catalog like I'll go buy it for $20 on the Xbox store or I'll go buy it for $20 on the on PlayStation Plus Um, I don't think I would need to subscribe to Activision to get access to you know skate or whatever Yeah. (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, it's true. I think, if anything, what like the NES Mini proved, though, is that for if you have this very singular situation where you have a, a large back catalog of, great, right, yeah. of great games yeah. that are not easy and convenient to play anymore, you could certainly sell a service. To, yeah. I mean, I mean, I will just say this. If they can sell NES Minis for $60, then I'm sure they can get – like, I would legit – to not have to have my entire massive collection shipped over here from New York – I would totally pay $10 a month to have access to every single NES and Super NES game ever. Nintendo is like
1: maybe the rare exception where their their catalog is so rich and Mm. and impressive that, yeah, I'd pay a a subscription fee to have access to all of Nintendo's first party games.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Something like that is much more alluring than pay $10 to play World at War whenever you want. On (laughs) a a unified (laughs) console, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I've I've never played a Monster Hunter game because I'm not a big uh, handheld gamer. Mm -hmm. So I would love the opportunity to play that at a console. Um, Yeah, totally agree with you.
1: All right, now is the time on GameSweep when we play Video Game 20 Questions. Oh, oh boy.
3: Hey. So we're all coming into this a little nervous.
1: little nervous. <laughs> because our heavy hitters are gone. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Jonathan, this is your first time. Do you I'm know excited. how this works?
2: Yes, okay. but if you want to refresh... Well, you the know you me.
1: do know how 20 questions work. Yes, right? I do. Yeah. Well, Video Game 20 Questions is infinitely easier because you already know it's a video <laughs> game. <laughs> it Narrows way, it's it down. Person plays a thing. No, it's a, vid- it's a video oh, game. Fruit. And you have uh, 20 yes or no questions to guess. Uh, this week's suggestion comes from... Oh. Over. Chris White. Hey, Chris White. Chris White emailed in this week's suggestion. Hey, Let the questioning begin. Okay, so
0: I'll just lead us off with the old faithful. Uh, was this uh, game released before January
1: 1st,
3: 2000? Yes. Okay. Uh, I, God, I'm blanking on what the... Uh, with the narrowing down question so like. usually once once we once we, once we know that
2: yeah. once
0: we know that then usually we'll yeah. we'll start either we'll narrow the time down further by like seeing if it was in the 90s or yeah, something yeah. um so wh- okay was it released after january 1st 1990
2: yes okay
0: okay so now we have a now we have a window
2: uh was it released on a on the a playstation platform
0: no Okay, so um, just to clear up everything else, then, uh, was this a platform exclusive game?
2: Yes. Okay.
0: Nintendo. So we're talking. We're, we're in the '90s, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> we're, we are in the '90s. So we're we're in the '90s, and it's not a Sony platform. So like the thing is, the '90s is this overlap time where yeah, like yeah, that's tough. Like like early '90s, there's still a couple of NES games coming out, but mm-hmm. like not that many. It's mostly Super there's Nintendo with this bit yeah. yeah, yeah, it's and, really super, super Nintendo, and then right then you get into the N64, N64 right. yeah. as well. If you're talking on Nintendo, yeah, um, and Sega problem, is. So. Uh the Genesis, yeah, you have the Genesis and the Saturn yeah. and the Dreamcast are all uh are all in that. Do so, we wanna waste a well, question on right.
3: Dreamcast and Saturn were discs. Genesis, S N E S, sixty four were cartridges. Uh, I think that's a waste of a question. So we I feel know like the we know it's a
2: disk split isn't the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
0: No, it's so but Before we know it's strategizing. We know it's a we know it's a console we know it's a platform exclusive though. So yeah. um I would I would continue narrowing down the platform. Yeah. That's you. That's your question, though. Um, did this game come out on the
3: Nintendo sixty four?
1: No. Okay.
2: Uh, might as well just clear it up then. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Uh, did this come out on uh, any Nintendo platform?
1: No.
0: No. Okay. Okay. So, uh, is
3: Dreamcast or the Genesis?
0: So, uh, right. Um, so, was, th- was this on a Sega platform? Y- yes. Okay. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, I can clear it up. I yeah. wish you had just said that was it was on yeah. the
0: Dreamcast because then it would be the Genesis. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Oh. Yeah. That would have been. We can have that back, right? No. <laughs> uh, okay. No, because it could have been the Saturn as well. That's true. could have been the Saturn. As well. Okay. Was it on the. Uh, you said Dreamcast? It's Dreamcast, Saturn, or, or or Genesis,
3: yeah. Oh, but you said Sega. Okay. Yeah. Uh Was this game on the Dreamcast? No. No.
2: Okay. So it's safe to assume it was the Genesis. Genesis. Do we want to operate on that? I mean, we've we've, we've burned all yeah, these we've questions on. Of- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we've <laughs> burned quite we a should, bit. We yeah. Should, we
0: should get the uh, platform. Yeah.
2: Do you play as a human in this game? No. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, is the primary mode of interaction shooting? Uh. No. That's ten. Okay. okay, so not human, mm-hmm. not shooting. I'm, assuming, mm,
3: I'm thinking platformer. It's the Lion King. It's got. To be <laughs> <right>. <laughs> uh, you,
2: you can ask if it's a Disney because there are multiple Disney platformers. Though. Yeah, yeah.
3: But I feel like is it a platformer is a better. Yeah, That's, if you want Yeah, is it is it a
2: platformer? No. Oh, well, it's not know. Lion King. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> knocks
0: out that knocks out a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. What do we want to go for? Game where you don't don't play as a human. It's not a platformer, and you're not shooting as the primary way of play. echo the dolphin. Mm. <laughs> Is that in any way considered a platformer? I don't know. No, definitely
3: no. not. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yeah, exploration game.
2: Uh, it's worth. It. A shot. I don't want to get into D- the does genre. this game take place <laughs> in a genre game. Does this game take place underwater? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jeez, yeah, are, are are you a dolphin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is it Echo the Dolphin? Yes. Got
3: it. Yes. The yes. dolphin. So yes. It. All right.
1: There you go. Right there. Right there. so you're so... And one for the host. Yeah. You're so unconfident going into this. Yeah. Got Echo it. the Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> 1992, one thing that might have tripped you up is that uh, Sega year. did not develop that game. They only published it. It was developed by or by a developer known as Novo Trade. Never even heard of him. Yeah, huh, exactly. I forgot I forgot about that. Action adventure, I think, is the genre. Yeah, okay. it makes sense. Yeah. Single player that's, game. That's
0: the catch-all genre
1: yeah. for anything.
0: Exactly. That we don't know yeah, exactly yeah. what it is. Adventure. Yeah. Is there yeah. action? Is there adventure? Well, yeah. <laughs> At Game
3: of the Year voting, it's like, oh, is this geez. more of an action game? Is it an adventure game? Or is it an action-adventure action adventure game? <laughs> game? I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be here You know anymore.
0: what? If it's, a,
1: if it's a sandbox game, it's action-adventure. Get it out of here. Exactly. But I actually don't remember, like, if... I, as, if Echo shot anything, I was guessing. He he, I thought he shot he bubbles so or like shooting, sonar shooting, or something. Yeah. Shooting
0: yeah. would be like implies like a project. He yeah. he yeah. could fire yeah. out like kind of like a, a generalized. <laughs> he
1: didn't shoot. He oh, fired like, sonar. Yeah. Sonar, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. He sonar. He screeched sound. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I don't think I was misleading you. No. No no, no. no. Nicely done, and thank you for the suggestion. Who sent in that suggestion? again that was Chris, uh, White? Chris White. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Really, thank you. Chris. Thank you. Chris. Really, thank you, Chris. Yes, thank you. Seriously, <laughs> well played. Yeah, you're uh, right in my wheelhouse. And, uh, I feel
2: less embarrassed for my and, uh, first time.
1: Yeah, Justin and Sam, they're going to get to enjoy your like your win. Yeah, it's all it's a group win. Yeah, <laughs> oh, good. So, good. The win. Gets Happy to help. Took it home for the team.
0: It's a team thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right, I think that's all the scoops we have for this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank yep. you. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop. There, right folks.